What's up, City Hope Church? Come on. What's up, City Hope Church? That's what I'm talking about. Be excited to be in church, right? Well, welcome, everybody. It is so great to have you guys with us today in all of our campuses, Mobile, Baymanette, Foley, uh, Holman Correctional, everybody that's watching online. Man, it is great having you guys with us today. Uh, what an amazing day to be in church. I'm excited that at the end we get to celebrate life change. Um, but before we get there, I've got a whole bunch of stuff to unpack with you. So here's the deal. I'm going to jump right in. Is that okay with you? Okay, good. I'm going to jump right in. Um, This is week two of Simplexity, um, and I'm a little bit excited about today. As a matter of fact, I've got a whole lot of stuff that I want to cover, a whole lot of stuff that I want to talk about, um, and I'm extremely excited. So if I talk fast, just write fast. I don't know, whatever, just stick with me as much as possible. Um, But last week, just to do a quick little recap, some of you may have missed it, or just to kind of set us all in the same uh, place today. Uh, Last week, we kind of opened up this idea um, of simplexity. You know, there's this, this, I don't know if you've noticed, but there's an extremely complex world that we live in right? That, um, that we're constantly being bombarded with messages of who we should be and what we should buy and what kind of stuff we should like. And we're constantly bombarded with decisions that have to be made, with bills that have to be paid, with, you know, schedules that are just craziness. We've got social media pressures. We've got this whole voting election thing that's just craziness, right? We're just bombarded with this com- the complexity of life. And we said, what if life were really, really simple? You know, it's really not so complex. The culture that we're a part of, that we live in, is extremely complex. But what if, as a Christ follower, it's really meant to be simple? You know, and we kind of look back like, you know, what if on the other side of life, what if, you know, one day when we're 80, 90, you know, 100 years old, because we're all going to die at at 100, right? Whenever we're at the other side of our life, what if we had a magic phone and we could call the us that's sitting here right now? Right. And then we could look back and the, the, the future us could say to the now us, hey, listen, I know you think buying that's important. Hey, I know you think chasing that's important. But listen, when you're at this spot, this is the only thing that matters. Here's the simple. Here's the real thing. Let me cut through the fluff. Let me cut through the clutter. And let's talk about what's real, man, what really matters. Um, and so we talked about that, that the thing that matters most. And it's interesting because whenever we fight, whenever people are at the end of their life, when they're at the very end, the things that they want to talk about are not the things that they own. They're not the, you know, the car they had, the business that they built, the, 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 the money in the bank. That's never what they want to talk about. Look, look at this. In the end, the regrets are always relational. We looked at this last week. In the end, the regrets are always relational. They're never possessional. They're never occupational. They're never professional, right? They're never anything. The thing that at the very end that people want to talk about is, did I have true friendships? Did I have meaningful friendships? Am I okay with my family? Does my family actually like me? And do I like my family, right? And and am I okay with Jesus? Am I ready to meet him face to face? Those are the things that at the end of life, people want to talk about. And we said, just to simplify it, Jesus came and he said, hey, you know, a guy asked him, what's so important? What's the most important thing? And Jesus just simply said, love God and love people. Love God and love people. So when we cut through it all, we realize that our relationship with Jesus, our relationship with people, the purpose in our life is that. We were put here for those simple reasons. And so, and I kind of, I did this in most of the services and 
Um, there was one service that got left out just for time's sake. Um, so I'm going to show you this real quick. We did this simple little illustration. Um, and if you were in that service that missed out on it, I apologize. Um, but I'm going to show it to you real quick just so we're all on the same page. So this is a measuring tape. Okay. Um, I think in inches, it goes up to 72 inches. In centimeters, it goes to 184 centimeters. And so what we did last week is we said, okay, so let's, I'm going to tear it off at my current age. So this may surprise you, but I'm 37 years old. There it is right there. I know I look like a, you know, an 18 year old, whatever. Um, but so I'm going to tear it off there at 37 and then I'm going to go to the other end of the spectrum. Now we'll take a quick little vote. How old do you think I'm going to live to be? I'm just kidding. I'm actually going to say a hundred. Okay. So let's just say I'm going to live to be a hundred years old. I'm not statistics tell me that I'm not. We'll talk about that later. Um, so after I do that, I get to look at what life I have left in my hand. That's how much life I have left right there. Isn't that crazy? When you look at it like that, like it immediately brings everything into perspective that all of these lines represent a year of my life, a year that I can choose to live on purpose or a year that I can choose to live according to the culture, according to what the, the world is telling me that I want. And then if we really, really want to get a little bit crazy, this is where I've really wrecked some worlds at the 5 p.m. last week, is I, took, I take this first half, and those of you that have kids that still live at home, I'm sorry, but you may cry here just a second. Okay, so my oldest daughter is nine years old. So this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to tear it off at nine. She's nine years old. And then I'm going to tear it off at 18 because I really pray she goes to college at 18. I know some of you are not that fortunate. You've got 30-year-olds that still live at home. But I'm believing my daughter is going to go to college at 18 years old. So this is how much time I have left before my daughter goes to college right? Does that not put some things into perspective that I've got nine years to raise her up, to love her, to pour in godly values, to, to just put everything God's put in me into her and to prepare her for this crazy world that we all live with, that we all deal in, that we're all constantly in every single day. I've got nine years with her. Nine years. Put some things into perspective, right? So, we're going to talk about that again in just a minute, but today I want to talk about breaking busy. You know, busyness in our culture is really a disease, honestly. The busyness in our culture has just taken, like, it's gone to new heights. It's pure craziness, the things that we juggle on a daily basis. Our culture tells us that we should do more, that we should buy more, that we should conquer more, that we should have more, 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 Right? And that's the way of our culture is, hey, what if you tried this? What if you do this? What if you buy this? And there's just this thing that we just have to keep going, 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 going. Well, here's the thing. If we don't break busy, busy will break us. If we don't break busy, busy will break us. If we want these simple things in life to be the things that matter, all of the extra, all this stuff that just bombards our lives has got to stop. We've got to get through it. We've got to sift through it. We've got to find our way through it. For instance, you know, uh, kids and their extracurriculars right now. I harped on this a little bit last week. It's one of my biggest pet peeves. We have seven and eight-year-olds that on top of school and homework, they're out four and five nights a week. You know, they're putting in, I mean, most families, average families today put in 15 to 20 hours a week on top of school in just extracurricular activities. 15 to 20 hours a week. That's a part-time job. 
We've got our kids running and going and doing. And I'm thinking, man, how can that be good for a kid? I mean, it's great for you, right? Because you've got the big dollar sign. One day they're going to be a professional athlete. Guess what? They're not. I'm sorry, but they're not, guys. I mean, do you realize that out of our entire church, thousands of people, 0.0001% of them will go on to play beyond college? Hear me. And right now we're thinking dollar signs, man. One day, woo, I'm going to be loaded because I ran them around like crazy. No, you're going to be picking up the pieces and you're going to be helping them get through life because of all the destruction that you've caused. Because you've ran them ragged for years and years and years. Some of the most memorable times of being a kid is just hours of a bicycle and baseball cards in the spokes. Right? Right? When you just had time to go build forts and have, you know, pine cone grenade wars and all this kind of stuff. But no, not today. We got a schedule to keep people. Come on, come on, come on, come on. Our Saturdays are gone. Our evenings are gone. We're up till 11 o'clock midnight doing homework. Guys, this is a disease. And it not only affects you and your busy lives, it affects our children. And last week we said, hey man, our kids, they're what really matter. They're the thing at the end of life. I want to look back and know, man, I, I gave it my all. I poured everything I've got into my kids. I love them. I spent time with them. I built deep, lasting relationships with them. I didn't run the roads. I didn't, every conversation I had wasn't headed down the, the, the highway, right? I spent time with my kids. I'm getting way too bogged in right here because I'm fired up. Okay. Here's the thing. Busyness kills relationships. Busyness kills intimacy. Busyness kills joy. Busyness kills peace. That's the bottom line right there. If we don't break busy, busy will break us. As a culture, as a people, as a Christ follower, it will literally suck the life out of life. Let me tell you three quick things about time just to get us all on the same page. We all know this, but I just want to get us on the same page. Number one, time is limited. Your time is limited. I don't know if you knew that or not, right? We have 24 hours in a day. We have seven days in a week, right? We all get this. We know this, but our time is limited. However, a lot of us don't live that way. We live as if we can just keep adding, add, 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 add. And we never take a moment to subtract. When was the last time you said no to something? When was the last time you stopped doing something? No, as a culture, we just keep adding, 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 adding. The second thing is this, that we just need to know is that all of your time will be spent. Every last drop of it will be spent. But if you compare that to the way we invest our time right now, some of us think that at some point we'll get past this busy season and we'll, and then we'll have some time, right? Or we think that at some point I'm going to pull out this magic envelope and I'm going to have, ta-da, 30 extra minutes, right? Because I've been saving for two weeks. No, right? Or we're going to get at the end of life and we're on that hospital bed and things are getting bad and we pull out a suitcase Ha-ha, we've saved up six months of extra time, right? No, every single moment will be spent. The third thing is this, somebody is going to determine how that time gets spent. Somebody, somebody. Now, for a lot of us, it's you, it's me, right? I am control, I am completely in control of my iPhone calendar. No one else can touch it, no one else can come near it, right? Right? I will karate chop them in the face. Now, some of us, 
That's not the case, right? We have, you know, when it comes to work, our time is very strict and it's very limited and, and we have to be here from here, right? And then you got the kids on top of that and the PTA and the doctor's appointments. And so some of us, there's a lot of other factors contributing to our time, but either way, somebody is going to determine how every moment gets spent, okay? The problem with our culture, a lot of it is that we've chosen urgent over important. As a culture, as a people, we've chosen urgent over important. We've said yes to a whole lot of little things, and hear me, they're not bad things. I mean, they're just urgent things. So the important things of life, the things that really, really matter, they get pushed aside because, my goodness, we really got to get here. We've got to do this. I got to change that. I got to flip this. I got to go do this, right? And there's that urgent, somebody gets a call, and in this moment, I've got to drop everything important that I was doing and go. It's just our culture. Everything is urgent. Everything is now. And so the important things keep getting pushed aside. Um, we've, we've talked about the quote um, before. John Maxwell said that we've got to learn to say no to the good things, right, so that we can say yes to the best things. Because right now we're saying yes to every good thing. And probably some bad things too, but we're saying yes to a whole lot of stuff. And then the, the best things, the important things, man, they just get pushed aside. They just get pushed right out of our lives. So if we were just going to simplify this issue of time and schedules, how we spend it, what if we looked at it like this? What if we were to ask this question? How would your time be spent if God were in charge of it? As a culture, as a people, I mean, we've tried. We've done our best. We've been in charge of it. We've tried. Um, we've allowed other people to, to, you know, collaborate with us and to spend our time for us. That didn't really work out that well. What would it look like if we were just to let God be in charge of it? How would that change things? I mean, honestly, it makes a whole lot of sense. Number one, he understands this concept of time. He somewhat created it, right? Um, and then the second thing is, is he actually knows how much time you have left. I mean, he knows how much time is left on your individual clock. Now, I know it's, it's nice and it's kind of fun to say the 80, 90, 100 year ending point, but let's get real. You've probably seen the numbers, you know, the, the average lifespan in the United States is nowhere near that high. And the state of Alabama is one of the lowest that there is in the entire country. Honestly, if we're really going to get real about it, there's a percentage of people in this room that their end point is much earlier than 80, 90, or 100 years. I know, that's morbid, right? That's crazy. But just think about it. God is the only one that knows when your end day is. Job 14.5 says it this way. He says, a person's days are determined. You have decreed, you, God, has decreed the number of his months and have set limits he cannot exceed. God set that time. So here we go. We live, we, we, we run our time, we run our schedules according to culture, according to what has to get done, according to what's urgent, according to what's now. And we don't, we rarely ever stop and go, but God, what do you think? Because you know how this thing ends. You know when this thing ends. You created it to begin with. You get the fact that time is limited. You get the fact that every moment is going to be spent. Lord, tell me how to spend my time. Where do I focus? What do I do? How do I live? Now, 
In light of this, I believe there's a different way to live. Romans 12, 1 and 2 is one of my favorite verses. I'm going to read it in the message version um, because I just, man, I think it speaks to this so well. So here's what I want you to do. God helping you, because you sure as heck can't do it on your own. Let's be real. God helping you take your everyday, your ordinary life, your sleeping, your eating, your going to work and walking around life. Now, if that doesn't sound a little bit like a schedule, I don't know what does, right? Here are the things you got to fit into every single day. Here's your normal day, your normal life. With God helping you, you've got to take all this ordinary stuff and place it before God as an offering. You got to lay it all down and say, God, how do you want me to live this thing? How do you want me to do this thing? Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. Don't become so well-adjusted to this culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Hello, ding, 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 we got a winner, right? Right, that's what we've done, man, because we think this is normal, this is what it is. And then he says, instead, fix your attention on God. Man, you'll be changed from the inside out, readily recognize what he wants from you and then quickly respond to it. Figure out what he wants from you and then respond to that. Hey, that's the important thing, not the urgent thing, right? Because his time is forever. He's forever. He's not thinking urgent. He's thinking important. So respond to the important thing. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down into its level of immaturity. What a powerful word for the current time, right? God brings the best out of you, develops well-formed maturity in you. What a powerful mess. I mean, just what an incredible thought that is, that we've got to get up out of this culture and literally surrender our time to God. Last week, we talked about what Jesus wants from us. We talked about what that end goal in life is. Some of you, maybe in a fusion group or maybe coming off the message, maybe you kind of wrote that thought down. I mean, what is, what's the end goal that I'm aiming for? What's the thing that when I get to my end, the end of my life, I can look back and I can say, I lived a fulfilled life. For me, I said, it's follow Jesus. I want to build his church and I'm going to, I'm going to develop deep and lasting relationships with Becky, Bella, Nora, and Max, my family. At the end of my life, when I'm on that bed, I want to know, man, that I gave Jesus my everything, that I, that I pursued my calling. I built his church with all of my heart and that I did everything that I can do to pour into my kids. If you haven't written that statement, maybe you need to. And if you were in fusion this week, this past week, hopefully you did there. You were challenged to just, okay, let's just write this thought out. What, what's the end goal? Where am I going to land this thing? And whenever you do that, things begin to change when it comes to our schedule. We begin to think a little bit differently, right? All of a sudden we realize, okay, my time is limited. You know, here's this, here's this lifespan that I have. My time is limited. What am I going to do now to make sure that I land there? Because I don't want to land there. The current trajectory of my life has me landing here or there, but I want to land there. So what do I got to change? What do I got to do right now? I've heard Bill Hybels make this statement so many times, and then he's made it in a book. Actually, the, the book is called Simplify, and it inspired a great deal of this series. It wrecked my world a year and a half ago when I read it. But he makes this statement, and he says this, my schedule is far less about what I want to get done and far more about who I want to become. Come on, people. I expected a little bit more right there. If that's not a mind shift, just a change of focus, I don't know what is. Because our culture tells us you just got to get some stuff done. You got to be productive. You got to move, move, go, 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 create, create, build, build, build. Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on, right? 
But what if the time that we've been given is actually to help us become the person that God's called us to be? Just a revolutionary thought, right? Just a crazy, crazy thought. So who is it that you want to become? Who is it that you want to land there? And listen, let's, not, let's take this whole 80, 90 year thing and let's throw that aside. Who do you want to be in 30 days? What's the you that you want to be in 30 days? What are the things in your life that you go, oh man, I got to change this now. I've got to fix this now. Because no matter how much paper you hold up, man, it doesn't matter, you know, if, you're, if your piece of paper looks like this one and you've only got a little bit of time left, it doesn't matter. It's not too late. You can still reprioritize your life and you can pour everything you've got into God and what's important to God. It doesn't matter how much time's left. So I've only got a, a little bit of time left. So here's what I'm going to do. Like not in my life, like on the clock. <laughs> let me just, let me be clear. I'm not racing so that I can, Okay. So let me, two things real quick that, uh, two ways that I believe that we can break busy. Um, I'm trying my best to be really, really practical with this because I think that's life. That's where we are today. So two ways that you can break busy. Number one is use the blocks for building. What in the world are you talking about? We all know that we love building blocks, right? We love to sit on the floor and I love with my kids and we'll build something crazy and get all creative and all that kind of stuff. Well, if you have not noticed, our calendar is full of blocks blocks of time, correct? With this kind of idea, with this kind of perspective, okay, what if the time was actually going to help me get to who I need to become? Then what if those blocks of time, those little cubes of time could actually be potential to build something in your life? In in, in this thought, time schedule all of a sudden becomes an extremely holy endeavor, right? It's not just something that scoots by us. It's not just something that we just let happen to us. All of a sudden it becomes very, very intentional what these little blocks of time could do. Throw this calendar up real quick. I mean, look, you know, you so see you got blocks, right? I mean, what if you could take these blocks and could begin to build something with your life? Let me give you an example. Um, I believe this will change how you schedule. This will change what you say yes to. This will change, you know, the urgent over important thing. This could change it all. Um, you, know, right, you know, right now in your life, if something is happening in your marriage, and we know that's an important thing. We look at the end and go, man, that's, that's one of my who's. That's the, that's the reason I'm here. I want to pour my life into that person, but things are falling apart. Well, how much investment of time will it take to build the marriage that you want to see on the end of your life? I mean, how many blocks will it take? Will it take doing a date night? Is it that simple? Or would it take something a little more drastic of saying yes to counseling? I've said yes to counseling. My wife and I have spent years in counseling. Why? Because I want to build a healthy marriage. So I said, you know what? Once a week, one block of time, I'm going to dedicate to my wife and I going to counseling. One block of time, I'm going to dedicate every single week to a date night. Why? Because I want to build a healthy marriage right? These blocks could actually be something that could build something powerful in your life when you see them that way. Another great story about a professional, John Grisham. We all know John Grisham, right? The novelist. Do you know how he became a best-selling novelist? He was an attorney and he knew in his heart, man, I was meant for more. This is not what I want to do. And he just kind of felt dead in. You know what he did? Every single morning at this block right here, He would come in one hour early for work, and on this block, he wrote the word write. That's it. He would come to work one hour early, and this line right here, every single day, for one solid hour, all he did was write. Changed his life. 
Why? Because he dedicated a block of time and he used a block to build something in his life. How powerful can your schedule be? How powerful can the time that God has given you truly be? Right? It changes everything. Ephesians 5 says this. This is Paul speaking to the Ephesians. He says, so be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. Make the most out of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Out of every opportunity, man, redeem the opportunity from these evil days and use it for good. Build something powerful out of the moments of your life. Don't let them just run away from you. Andy Stanley, one of the great pastors of my generation, wrote a book called Ask It, where he just poses this very, very simple question that I believe can help us prioritize, can help us make decisions, can help us really figure out what's important, what needs to be on our calendar. And he wrote this entire book around this one question. You want to know what the question is? Is it wise? What if we were to, anytime something needed to be added, something that's going to alter our lives, something that's going to change us, what if we asked that simple question, is it wise? Not is it bad, not is it good, not is it right, not is it wrong, not is it profitable, not is it legal, not is it fun, but is it wise? Now let me add one more layer to this. In light of my past experience and future hopes and dreams, is it wise? So in light of the marriage that I want to have, is this wise for me to say yes to? In light of the parent that I want to be, is it wise that I say yes to this? In light of the fact that I've only got nine years left with my daughter, is it wise that I say yes to this opportunity? In light of where I want to be when I lay my head on the pillow for the very last time, is it wise that I do this? Doesn't that just change your perspective? And all of a sudden you realize, okay, I'm living with the end in mind. I'm living because this is where I want to end up. This is the goal of my life. I want to get there. Kids, how, what, what kind of investment do you need to put into your kids to be the parent that you need to be? What kind of time, what kind of energy, what kind of conversations, what kind of, t- you know, life development, man? What is the thing in your life right now that you're like, man, I need to grow in this area. I need to learn something new. I need to become better at my job. Man, dedicate a block of time to it and build something out of it. How many times do we get to the end of the week and we go, man, I really needed to get this, this, and this done because they're so important. But my time was robbed. My time was gone. No, your time was given. You handed it over. And you didn't say, okay, I'm intentionally going to plan my life around this. The second thing on two ways to break busy is this. Put the big rocks in first. Put the big rocks in first. You know, our life is full of little rocks and the little rocks kind of crowd out and fill the thing up and then boom, there's no space for big rocks. If you're in business or leadership, you totally get this principle, right? If you're building something, your management, your anything like that, you're going to always put the big rocks in first and all the time that's left over, that's how, you know, it kind of prioritizes things. It kind of brings things into perspective, right? But when we live in a life like this, where life is literally a meteor shower of little bitty rocks, and we're trying to make sense of everything, it's very, very hard to prioritize. It's very, very hard to get the big rocks in first. You have to make it a priority. You have to make it a part of life. I think about it like this, like anytime I I pack the vehicle before we go on a trip, right? Dads, that's a dad job, correct? 
You with me, dads? No, you let your, your women, your wives, your ladies do this? Seriously, this is pitiful, Dale and Leanne. Okay, this is a man's job, right? I take pride in this. I mean, I've gotten permission from my wife, but I'm allowed. I mean, I, I get to do this, people, right? And I tell all the kids, all the family, hey, bring it to the back of the car. Don't put anything in the car. Don't you dare put that in the car. Why? Because I'm gonna do this, man. I'm gonna conquer this thing, right? Right, and where do we start? We put the big suitcases in first. Right? And then you build this thing and it's like Tetris. And at the end, there's no gaps. There's no airspace. You can still see through the rear of your mirror and you're like, bam. <laughs> Somebody should just like, you know, hook a brother up kind of thing. It took you three or four times, but you finally got there and you're like, okay, man, there's, so, there's I got a little bit of pride left in my life. Okay. I can do this. Right? This is how our life is. Had we put the little bags on the bottom, what happens, man? Things get a little wonky. Things get a little crazy. It doesn't always fit. There's these gaps. There's these spaces. There's this overlap. I definitely can't see out the rearview mirror, right? Nothing fits right unless I put the big rocks in first. What are the big rocks? The big rocks are the things that matter. The things that matter the most. Um, there's, a, there's another book called The Power of Habit that is a powerful book with a powerful idea all about these big rocks. Now listen to this. This is what he says about putting a big rock. He calls it a cornerstone, a keystone habit in your life. This is what he says. Listen to this. And he's talking about exercise. So he's talking about if exercise were one of these big rocks, this is what would happen. Typically, people who exercise, check this out, start eating better. This is after they start exercising. This one big rock leads to all of this. They start eating better. They start becoming more productive at work. They smoke less. They show more patience with their colleagues and family. They use their credit cards less frequently and they feel less stress. Exercise is a keystone habit that triggers widespread change. Now listen, this idea has huge implications in business, but really in everyday life. A big rock, a keystone habit, something that, that, that affects widespread change in the rest of your life that, listen, has to be in your life. There is no question. There is no debate. It has to be in your life. Why? Because it affects widespread change. Now, we're talking about exercise, which is a really, really positive thing, right? And you see how once we begin that one thing, it creates this thought pattern and everything changes. And all of a sudden, you start thinking, well, yeah, I need to start eating right so that the exercise is more beneficial. And it's just almost, you don't even really think that much about it. It just happens. It's an overflow of that big rock in your life. So what are the big rocks that we need in our life? Now, exercise is great, but what's the thing that gets us to the end? What's the thing that gets us to the end that helps us be who we need to be? I'm going to give you two really big rocks right now. I'm going to lay it on you. One of them is time with God. Time with God. I mean, how often, if you even have a regular time with God, do you actually do it? You go weeks and weeks and weeks before this thing um, is just, it gets moved out of your calendar. It gets changed. It gets flipped, right? But having one-on-one time with God every single day is a big rock in your life. It changes everything. When you sit before God and you, and you say, man, I want to think like you think. I want to I, I operate how you want me to operate. I want to have your heart. I want to love people the way you, you love people. And you get into his word and you spend just 10 or 15 minutes in his word. And you just, you pray. It's just, it's not a complicated thing. It's a simple thing. 
But what it does is it ripples into every single area of your life. Whenever I skip a day or two with that time with God, I feel it. I know something's wrong. I know something's different. All of a sudden, things are just not as smooth. Things are, I'm just not thinking as well. My, my heart's not in the right place. All of a sudden, I, I realize I'm having to constantly go, dude, Trey, what are you thinking, man? Get back over here. Get your heart back over here. Get your mind back over here. Why are you thinking that way? Why? Because it is a keystone habit. It is a big rock in your life that leads to widespread change. I mean, there's just something powerful about giving God the best part of your day. Not the last part of your day. Big rock in first, man. This is the best part of your day. Now, that could be in the morning. That could be in the evening. For me, it's the morning. It is bright and early before the sun is up. I am wide awake. I'm rocking and rolling. But my wife, she is straight up in a cave and a coma somewhere early in the morning. She's the flip side. That woman will stay up till 3 o'clock in the morning. Right? So her time is in the evenings. But whenever is your best time, when your mind is sharp and your heart is alive and everything is ready, man, that's when you should devote time to God. The second thing is, and I'm going to step on some toes here, but it's this place right now, our church. Whether this is your home church or not, you need to be in church every single week. It blows my mind how many people have church penciled in their calendar. If this is not a big rock, if coming together and hearing the word of God and rubbing shoulders with like-minded believers and worshiping our king and all these things every single week is not a big rock, I don't know what is right? Having your kids in kids church pouring life into you. But we have a culture that we still think that we can flip a coin on Sunday morning and decide whether or not we're going to church. What's that telling your kids? What's that setting up in your life? Listen, being in this place and worshiping God, this is a big rock that has ripples into every area of your life because outside these walls or the church that you go to outside those walls, You're running in the rat race. You're in the complexity of culture and you're running and you're going. And when you come into here, you can high five your brother and sister and you go, hey, man, we're in this together. We are locking arms, man. We're in this thing together. We got our end goal. We know what we're here for. We're loving people. We're loving God. We're worshiping. We're together on this. It's a big deal. Jesus did it. The Bible says that it it was his custom that every single week he was in church. It was his custom. It wasn't a debate. It wasn't an option, man. He made sure that he stepped in the house of God every single week. And I know I'm stepping on some toes right now. But one of the hardest things, but one of the most rewarding things to be in this guy that gets to stand right here is when you speak truth that not everybody likes, but it's truth. It's real, man. You need to be giving your time to God first thing or the best part of your day every single day. And you need to be in the house of God every single week because this right here is a keystone habit. Listen to this. Anytime, I mean, all, I mean nine times out of 10, I can honestly say with all of my heart, nine times out of 10, whenever someone rededicates their life, their story begins this way. I got busy and just stopped going to church. Every, I mean, nine times out of 10, that is the story. I got busy. I started coming once a month and I, this pulled me away. That pulled me away. I started traveling a lot. I just didn't, I didn't, I wanted to spend Sundays at home. I wanted to blah, 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 blah. And next thing you know, they're rededicating their life because they fell off a wagon because they went this, they did that, they did whatever. It's just the way life goes. When you disconnect and you unplug from the big rock, from the main thing of your life, 
you get off track, man. And the next thing you know, you're Romans 12, 1 and 2. You're looking at the culture. You're living in the culture. You're, you're thinking the way the world tells you to think, which is dead wrong. It's so wrong and backwards to what God wants for you in your life, your family, your end goal, where you're going to end this thing, where you're going to end this life. You know, I held up this measuring tape. You know what? That's a lot of time for some of us. But if we were just to start at, I don't know, 30 days, 60 days, 100 days, what do I need to do right now? What changes do I need to make right now to use those blocks of time to build something and then to get the big rocks in my life that truly change everything? Let me wrap up right here. 2 Corinthians six eleven says this. Uh, dear, dear Corinthians. I love how he starts because you can see him kind of shaking his head. <sighs> dear, dear Corinthians. I can't tell you how much I long for you to enter this wide open, spacious life. We didn't fence you in. The smallness you feel comes from within you. Your lives aren't small, but you're living them in a small way. I'm speaking as plainly as I can and with great affection. Open up your lives, live openly and expansively. Listen, culture complexity has us doing this where lives are cluttered, lives are just bombarded and we're protecting and we're just constantly in that mode. And Jesus is saying, I mean, he's Paul saying right here, that no, 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 the idea is for you to live wide, open, spacious life. The, the word that comes to mind when I hear wide, open and spacious is what? Simple, right? I don't get clutter out of that. Hey, but it's wide open and spacious, man. God wants you to run. God wants you to feel the size of his kingdom. He wants you to feel the size of his love. He wants you to feel the size of his purpose for your life. He doesn't want you to be bombarded and and ping pong back and forth from culture. And you just can't even come up for air. You can't feel purpose at all because you're so deep in the culture. And Jesus says, hey, look, get up out of it, man. Live differently. Live life differently. Because here in his way, it's wide open, it's spacious, it's peaceful, right? Is anybody with me? We're awfully quiet. We've gotten really, really quiet. I hope you got this. I really, really do. I think these are some ideas, some thoughts that could really change how we live, change what we do, get us out of this complex culture and just kind of declutter it and get us in a simple way of living life on purpose for God. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. We thank you for this day. Lord, I thank you for what you're doing. I thank you for what you've done. And I just pray, God, is this word, we covered a lot of ground. We covered a whole lot of ground today. And I pray, God, that it sinks deep in our hearts, uh, that it won't be something that just slips away or fades away, that, God, there's just, even if it's one thing today, God, that we walk away and we go, man, I needed that. That changed my perspective. That changed the way I think. That changed the way I'm going to do life. Uh, then I just pray, God, that it sticks in our heart, that nothing stops us. Lord, I pray that we, that we journal it today, that we write it down, that we pin it on a mirror, that we pin it on a dashboard. God, that we do whatever we've got to do to keep this in front of us. God, that, that if we don't break busy, busy's going to break us. And God, we've got to make some changes. We've got to get our heads out of the clutter and we've got to get into those open, spacious way of living for you, God. We love you. We thank you in Jesus' name we pray. Just keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed for just a moment. Before we go, I have to ask, if there's anyone here that needs to begin a relationship with Jesus Christ that, you know, you, you hear us talk about purpose, you hear us talk about the love of God. I just want to know, man, if that's you today and you go, I need, I need Jesus. I need to know Jesus. 
I want you just to raise your hand real quick. If you say, man, I've got to give him my life. I've got to give him my heart today. Raise your hand real quick. All the campuses, everywhere. Raise your hand real quick. Let's pray this prayer together. If you raised your hand at any campus, pray this with me. Jesus, forgive me of my sin. I surrender my life to you. I surrender my heart to you. Come into my life. Change the way I think. Change the way I behave. I give you my heart. I give you my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Can we give those guys a big hand?